CFB Paint, we're back, and another week is in the books. We've got Corey and Brian on the pod today. We're missing Steve, uh, also Mark, but you may have missed him a lot of this season so far. Um, before we get into any of the action, I want you to go ahead and throw us a like, uh, a subscribe, a rating. Uh, all those little clicks that don't take a lot of time for you go a really long way for us. So appreciate any support that you can give to the podcast in that way and help other people to come across the same content. Uh, Shout out to Kyle for always commenting. Yeah, we, we are, are super fans. We notice you uh, and we appreciate what you do. Um, also, feel free to interact with us on our socials, you know, DM us or, or tweet at us. Um, anything that you want more of on the show, anything you want our thoughts and, and insights on, we're happy to, to work, our, work into the show. With that, we're going to get right into the action. Um, we've got a rapid round this week with just the two of us and with a presidential election year coming up upon us. Uh, we want to go with who would be the better presidential candidate. Corey, is that how we want to phrase this? Let's just say politician, people that vote for us. There you go. Be- better political candidate, uh, better politician. Uh, Corey, what, you give your thoughts first. So I tend to be a pretty likable person until I reach a certain point, and then I tell you what I really think, and then everybody hates me after that. So I don't know if I'd be a very good politician. I have come back from the dead in, in a few places. Just a quick little uh, story. Basically, I got called out in front of – this is my last company. I got called out in front of a bunch of people for doing something that I shouldn't have done. It wasn't that big a deal. I told the boss it wasn't that big a deal. It, it wasn't right, but it wasn't that big a deal. And him and I went toe-to-toe in front of 60 employees. And therefore, I didn't get promoted in the next little while. And then they found out how good a hard worker it was and how right it was. They ended up firing my boss, and I ended up moving up, you know, two different promotions after that. So you're going to hear the bad from me, but I'm going to cover, do the, get, you know, I'm going to handle business. So not so, my so, finest moment, whatever. Yeah, long term, like, could be a good career politician because your, your track record will show well for you in the yeah. long run, even if a couple of things you said piss some people off in the short term i think where and I will piss people off. yeah for sure that that, that <laughs> will happen but i mean so it goes i think the place where i give you a like an additional like leg up on me is i think you're much better at being personal like on a one-to-one basis um and kind of like engaging with people sort of the glad handing part of being a politician and, and building those sort of relationships um i just watched like all those videos of like people doing awkward stuff with their face or their mouth or their hands while they're at a presidential debate or whatever it may be. And I'm like, that is 100% what would be me, you know, where it's just like, uh, like, like the Ron DeSantis weird smile. If, any, if you haven't, if you have seen that from the Republican debate, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly, I'd be like trying to be like, what should I be doing with my mouth or face or, or whatever? They'd catch it and they'd be like, look how ridiculous this guy is. Um, I don't know. I think two comments uh, real quick. Go ahead. Uh, yes, I am a person. I like to know people. At one point in time, I bet somebody that we had like 220 employees in our company. I bet someone I was like, I bet you I can name 150 of them by name, like off their face. And I got 165 of them. So I am that kind of person that builds those relationships. But I am also the kind of person that like, I talk out of the side of my mouth because I can't open my mouth straight. And people don't notice it until they like know it. Know it and then they're like, oh yeah, you do because this side of my mouth is dead. For those that, that are listening, it's the left side of my mouth. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing I think about is those weird facial expressions. You know, dad on the stand as a state president. Yep. All the yep, time. That's that very weird, much. You know, frowning face. Yeah, no. Uh, the, the sitting frown face is, is one that's 
perfected by him and passed down somewhat to his children. Uh, I just don't know if I have like redeeming qualities as a politician. Like I think, yeah, I'm not I think you're amicable, but I'm yeah, sure. Uh, but uh, but I think sometimes I'm a little. I don't know if I'm like quite as hard headed as you need to be as a politician. If that makes sense, like I think I'm too like ah okay, like I'll, I'll give a little bit here and you know that that works decent if you're trying to you know get a, something done at work. It doesn't work great if you're trying to get elected by people who think oh look how wishy washy this guy is. Uh, so I, I'll give it to you uh, as the better politician, and you can kick us off for the rapid round. We'll get to the college football, uh, and I'll follow you up. All right. We should also set a post up. Like who you got? Let, let us know in the comments uh, who you think would be the better politician. If you're listening on Spotify, I'll add a poll for, for this. <laughs> there you go. Um, so this week, um, not a ton crazy. Some close games. That Auburn gets blown out, which is a little bit crazy. And then, but Florida State loses their quarterback. And I think that's the story. Can Florida, Florida, I think everybody mentally was like, Florida State may not have it easy, but they probably should win out against Louisville and Florida, and they probably should end up in the playoffs. Now with their backup quarterback, what happens? Um, where do they go? And then I think the other game that I like kind of paid attention to was like Oklahoma, like flirting with disaster against against uh, BYU. I watch I, re, I watch a stat from um, I think it's Kelly Ford. Um, stats if you look them up on twitter you can find them he talks about like how much did we actually win this game and were we actually winners and he talks about your success rating for play-by-play and oklahoma success rating was like net negative to byu's and they should have lost the game but you know when you throw a hundred yard interception driving into the end zone on the two yard line you're going to lose the game sometimes it's happened to clemson earlier this year it happened to byu and, and you can't win those games if you're tight when you do that so fun week I'm excited to see the Big 12 playoff race at the end, or not playoff race, championship uh, contender race for next week. Um, that's when I'll be definitely tuning into. Brian, what are your thoughts? We, we will dive into at least a little bit of the scenarios that can occur in this last week of the Big 12 title race. Um, yeah, my thoughts are, you hit it on the head. The big story of the week for me is Florida State having Jordan Travis go down um, because that was kind of your one lock team that you thought, okay, this one is going to make it to the playoff. Um, and it had to do more so with minus the, Georgia, right? <laughs> well, not even like I think Georgia loses to Alabama, and now it's not a sure thing. You know, like they they have a real yeah, but I don't think it's, yeah, I, I think Maybe it's possible. Think but but either way, so like oh. one of one of at most like two lock teams that you have in the playoff. Now it's no longer a lock because who knows if they could beat Florida and Louisville without Jordan Travis, like that they, they weren't a lock right. because they were so much better than everyone. It was because they had the easiest path of. of all the top contenders. Um, the other thing, and with a, a week that doesn't have crazy action and crazy upsets, some what would be non-stories become stories. And I'm thinking of Michigan this week, uh, who we'll talk about a little bit, but like they didn't look like Michigan that we've seen this year for the first time. Uh, they, they really looked to be having some holes in their game. JJ McCarthy did not look up to the standard that he had been playing throughout the year. Now, granted, this is one game they've played 11, so you probably trust the 10 over the 1. It just comes at a bad time right before Ohio State. Um, and then Washington well, he, continues to squeak on by. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, and he didn't pass in the second half of Penn State game either. So maybe it's a game and a half, that you might say. But also, yeah, maybe so. if they don't have Harbaugh, what are they calling plays-wise? Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a bad time to have doubts. And I don't know if Internally, Michigan has any doubt. I think you know they're feeling probably just fine heading into Ohio State. But on the outside, it is 
it's the worst Michigan you've seen yet. So it's intriguing to see right before uh, Ohio State. Uh, and then Washington State holds on against Oregon State. Or, sorry, Washington holds on against Oregon State. They've only got to beat Washington State um, to, to go unbeaten in the regular season. They've locked up their spot in the Pac-12 title race. But they continue to win close. And you wonder if that's going to bite them come Pac-12 title time. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll talk a lot about uh, conference title races because they're very pertinent to what's going to happen in the playoff and what's going to happen in the postseason. Um, so we'll, exactly. we'll take this this week recap a little bit conference by conference and start off in the ACC. Um, we've got the the show notes. I don't think we've updated quite yet, but we've got FSU at North. Or sorry, North Alabama at FSU, fifty eight to thirteen. North Alabama gets off to a good start there. They they have a few trick plays that hit. They run like a trick play every third play of that game. And, and Florida State's defense and, and special teams discipline wasn't there. Um, so they they really exposed them on a few. Uh, get up to a 13-0 lead. Then Jordan Travis goes down with a leg injury that, I mean, the commentators just, I don't know how they were missing it. They're like, yeah, it seems to be some leg injury. And you can clearly see something's where it shouldn't be. Um, and, and that's... Well, and- the CW kept playing the replay over and over and over, and I'm like, guys, Wild. it's gruesome. This is one of those ones you don't replay. Yeah, this is one that <laughs> as soon as you see it, you cut away to something else and you never play the replay. Like The leg is man. flopping to the left side. It doesn't go like that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, CW's first year in college football. Hopefully, hopefully they learn from this. Um, hopefully last. Hopefully the last. Uh, I don't know. They've got no okay ratings at certain points. Let's talk about the CW points. curse that exists, man. It's been insane. Like teams that are favored to win lose, lose big, or they lose their quarterback. Apparently, like it's been all year for the last like two months. So yeah, um, it's it's been existing from the moment and con- continues in this one. Um, ultimately, Florida State gets back on track for what you'd expect them to do to North Alabama. Tate Rodmaker comes in as the backup. Florida State goes on a 58 to nothing run and win with a touchdown at the very end of the game on a block field goal. Um, uh, anything to take away from quick? Yeah, go for it. Completely deserved. They, they, <laughs> there's like 30 seconds left in the game, and Norvell looks annoyed to me that they're not just like run the ball and run the clock out, but they call a timeout. Then they throw three passes to the end zone and try and call a timeout to kick a field goal or whatever else. And I think like how uh, Jordan Travis posts on his Instagram a, a picture of that play, and he's like, "Block this kick! Block this kick! Go back and score! Go back and score!" From the <laughs> hospital bed, because this is what you deserve. If you're gonna try and play this kind of game, you deserve to get scored on again. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I, John Papuchis, who's the special teams coach for Florida State, mentioned in an interview, uh, I think just earlier today, we're recording this on Monday. Um, how he was like, "I was a little annoyed at the fact of that," so I was like, "You guys really go out there and get this one, like." Uh, and ultimately, I don't know if it's the team so much as it's a bad snap that ends up resulting in the block, but uh, it happens and they take it back for a touchdown. But I will say from the North Alabama coach, like I, me personally, I don't mind that he wanted to do that to try and get reps and stuff for his team. Like it's annoying. It's very annoying, but like you only have so much opportunity to play at somebody against this level. Like why not squeeze out every rep you can? I I, I kind of get it from their side. It's super annoying from Florida State. I'm trying to contend here. I'm trying to just get out of this game that I'm ahead by 40 points. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I can I, take I both sides. You what? I wouldn't give up either, you know? So I, I get it. But like, still, it was, you was watching the Norvell being annoyed. And then 
Yeah, no. <laughs> and that's so. the thing. It's like, if you're going to keep playing, that's fine. We're going to keep playing too. And you have to live with that. Exactly. So, so like, you, you, you got what you had coming to you, but I, I anyhow, not, not a huge to do. Uh, any takeaways from this? Uh, I guess like your predictions on, on what this means for Florida State for the next two games, you know, we'll look at the playoffs, but like, what do you think this does to their odds versus Florida and against Louisville? So, conveniently, and we can get to this later, but Florida loses their starting quarterback in their game as well. So both teams conveniently are for Florida State, inconveniently for for Graham Mertz, but yeah, conveniently for both teams. You know what I'm saying? Like inconveniently <laughs> for Travis and yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Um, but it ends up being like interesting because I think Max Brown is super mobile, way more mobile than than Graham Mertz is. So it's going to be interesting because he's going to test Florida State's defense in a lot of different ways, and you have pretty much no tape on him. The other thing that you got is you have a week for Tate Rodemaker to pretend – or not pretend – to plan to be the quarterback for Florida State. And he hasn't ever done that. He's come in cold against Louisville and won the game, and then he's played sparsely in, in other games. Um, but he the pedigree and the opportunity to be, be good is there. He's got a, probably the best arm on Florida State's roster – to be honest, like deep ball and, and, and most power. And he played in Val- at Valdosta in one of Georgia's hardest regions out of high school. His dad was his coach, so he's been he coaches kid. If he's able to get the reps that they need within this game, this offense could still hum and, dare I say, hum better than what Jordan Travis did. He, he doesn't add the running opportunity, and the offensive line is still going to be porous because there's a lot of injuries. But if they can get the deep ball and, and the passing game going, I mean, I, I think there's a chance that they, this team could be pretty good. I also know that if we revert to old Tate Rodemaker, who would come in occasionally, you're going to get four interceptions in the first five you know, passes. So it's, it's a scary thing, honestly. I think you beat teams based off your defense. This is a reason why Adam Fuller just got made or a semifinalist for the Portals Award, because his second-half de- adjustments on defense have been insane all year. Like he allowed a total of fifty-five points all year in the second half. That's that's a winning recipe. I mean, you're averaging less than five points a half. That's that's incredible. So I, that, we'll see how it goes. I, Louisville scares me. I mean, they'll scheme people open. They're good at that. So yeah, uh, that that's the one. I think you can get this Florida win. And looking at last year, you have Tate Rodemaker come in and come back on the road against Louisville. Um, so he's played in a yeah. road environment. It's not the swamp. But he's played in a road environment um, and threw an interception to start it off. Like, could have gotten rattled, didn't. Uh, I do wonder if he's one who will just kind of zero in on a target or two. Because last year against Louisville, it was, all right, Johnny Wilson's got the mismatch. I'm going to him all the time. And and that can be to your benefit if that mismatch is continually there. It can be to your detriment Mm -hmm. if they start to send extra help and and you force it. And we'll see kind of what what games are played on the defensive side of things there. But... um, yeah, he's a quarterback who can sling it, but he's one who you definitely don't want things to get uh, off schedule or, or out of whack for the play because he's not going to weave. And his pocket awareness is not there as much either. No, yeah. no, he scares you. I don't know. He got sacked twice in this game against North Alabama, and both times I was like, I feel like this ball's coming out. Um, he's able to hang on to it. But yeah. did, you know, did, didn't inspire confidence. Um, staying in the ACC, Louisville gets the win against Miami. Uh Close game. Tyler Van Dyke has a really good game for a lot of it. They go 38-31, so so down to the end of the game. Uh, I didn't get too much eyes on this. I've seen some highlights, but did you have any thoughts from the Louisville-Miami game? 
Miami kind of bites himself in the butt at the very end um, with some penalties and, and some bad calls. And honestly, if a game comes down close to Mario Cristobal and, and Brom, like I think we're all probably picking Brom to, to handle it right. Um, it's It stinks for them that the Hail Mary falls short. I mean, it, it gets caught and then by Restrepo and then he gets tackled at the four yard line. Um, but honestly, Louisville, I think, was already in with the, the loss from UNC at Clemson, but I feel like they feel better about themselves if they got the win. They didn't back into the ACC championship game. So you've got you, Florida State and Louisville. That, that Louisville team had an easy schedule. Honestly, if I'm, like, power rating Louisville, I'm putting them in the 19, 17 to 21 range rather than in the upper ranges. Like, I think they're not that great a team, to be honest. Um. But I do think that this is a team that can bite you at any point in time, and they'll be pretty well coached. As we saw, they kind of dominated Notre Dame earlier this year um, but with a great game plan. And if they have a great game plan for Florida State going in, they're going to smoke them. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah. a really good evaluation of, of who Louisville is as a team. Like, they have athletes to really do some damage, but they're not so good across the board that they are actually – what you'd typically consider amongst the top 10 teams that we, we see. Right. Um, that said, they've taken full advantage of, you know, sometimes you have these windows, you have a year. Yeah. Uh, I think about Miami last year where they had a really weak schedule, um, but just kind of couldn't get it, everything right together to, to have that awesome year. Louisville had a similar situation, really weak schedule, but they've maximized on it. You know, like not only did they win the games we expected them to, but also, Oh, we're going to show out against Notre Dame. Those sort of things we didn't anticipate coming into the season. Um, so exactly. a lot of credit to Brom and, and those, uh, those players over there. Um, once again, the, the title game is already set up. Uh, it's just a matter of does, does Florida gate Florida state get there undefeated and can they get over the hump? Uh, time will tell. And we can dive more into that in, in preview stuff. Uh, but we'll keep, Things moving to a an extremely interesting conference. Um, we have the Big Twelve. So so quickly some results from there. Texas, they don't look great, but they win comfortably ultimately against Iowa State, twenty six to sixteen. Uh, Oklahoma looks not good at all in Provo, Utah, um, playing in the the ten a.m. slot or sorry the noon slot. We're in Mountain Time, so ten a.m. for us. Um, but they get a killer pick six uh, towards the end of the game as the game is tied at twenty four end up winning 31-24. Kansas State holds on to beat Kansas, 31-27. That keeps their uh, Big 12 title hopes alive. Um, I don't know if we want to go. Oh, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's the other relevant uh, for the the conference race. A bit of a shootout Mm -hmm. with Houston, uh, but ultimately winning by a couple scores, 43-30. So they're still in the comfortable second spot. Nobody has locked down a conference title spot up to this point, even Texas, who's in the lead and has has a game ahead of everyone, they're still not guaranteed to make it in. Uh, Oklahoma, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and Texas all have the opportunity to potentially make it into the Big 12 title game. Uh, I, I guess we can start with the games. I, I know I was watching the BOU-OU game. Corey, I don't know if you got any eyes on that one. Uh, anything you want to yeah, share? Yeah, I watched with? quite a bit of that one as well. Um, BYU's uh, quarterback... What's his name? Ratzliff or whatever? I can't say his name. Ratzlaff. Um, Ratzlaff. He looks to be – his mobility has added another dynamic that Keaton Slovis didn't have uh, earlier. And so it's made BYU's offense when there isn't anything there, he's able to make the plays that they need to. It also opened up the kind of the run option game in that game. You saw a lot of read option and 
that allowed them to be successful and, and open up holes for you, know, you pull another defender out of the out of the box essentially because um, he has to cover the quarterback. Um, so I think they did a really good job of that and leveraging that. They exposed Oklahoma's uh, running defense. I mean, in all respect, BYU has not run that ball that well this entire year, and they seem to be running at will quite a bit against Oklahoma. And even then, he still has a pretty good arm. I'm interested to see if this kid does this takes a starting job next year, um, and if they roll with him because he's. I know people that are like don't think he's that good. I think he's pretty good, and that's the quarterback I would want for my future. So I'm excited about how he played. Um, BYU's defense plays pretty well, keeps them in the game, and it's sad. It's a pick six that. I mean, you drive the entire field, you get down to the one one or two yard line, and then. They, you throw a 100-yard interception, and then you drive the entire field again like it was no problem and got it in. And then you just couldn't finish it at the end. Uh, Oklahoma's defense kind of bowed up. So it's rough for you, but Oklahoma, like, it's happy. If I'm an Oklahoma fan, I'm, I'm happy I escaped with the win. Provo's a hard place to win. At a 10 a.m. slot is a weird place to play, So especially, like, when you're traveling. It's even earlier, it feels like. But I don't know. It, was, it all worked out. Yeah, Oklahoma's just been – a little shaky on the road like that, that we've seen it repeatedly down the back half of the schedule where they were looking like world beaters at the beginning. They get the Texas win um, in, in the cotton bowl and then just, you know, kind of tough game after tough game after tough game. They've gotten wins in, in some of them, but it has not been easy, smooth sailing. Uh, one thing to note in this game is that Dylan Gabriel did go out at half. Um, it, I think it was a head injury. They said, uh, so Jackson Arnold, the the true freshman, does come in. Jackson Arnold is one who, long term, we believe is going to be a very good player. He's a big talent out of high school, um, and, and you know think he'll have a successful career at OU. But I'll say he didn't have his greatest game. Uh, missed a few shots that he was taking uh, when he was first put in the game. So you didn't have a 100 percent with your with Dylan Gabriel going up against BYU in the second half. Still, you would have expected a little bit better performance from the Sooners, but hey, it's it's the end result that matters, and they get the win. Uh, I'm on the same page as you with with Retzlaff. I think he's a pretty good player and and a nice piece to bring back. Um, I think there's a few pieces of this BYU team where it, it is not a complete team uh, by any means, but there's there's a few young bright spots, and you go, okay, that's going to be nice. Uh, you know, nice something to mold our team around these strengths that we have or, or these few uh, players that we have. I think especially when you pair him with LJ Martin, the true freshman running back who is out. Um, but when he, you know, he's Robbins back and healthy next year, Robbins had a heck of a game. Uh, and, but if this game is any indication of what Oklahoma is uh, off on the defensive line at this stage of the season, it, it doesn't bode well if they do make it to the big 10, big 12 title game, because you shouldn't be getting pushed around by BYU as much as you did. I I know that there's some some in the read option game that changes it a little bit, changes the calculus on, on how to defend. But again, like you said, BYU hasn't run like this all all year. So go ahead. One item of note: bringing in Jackson Arnold. OU burns his red shirt because essentially because this is his mm. fifth game that he's played in. I didn't realize. That. I don't think it's a huge deal in the fact that I don't think you're going to have Jackson Arnold for four years anyway because he's going to go pro. Um, so you're only going to get a little bit of time, I think, out of this. This guy, this kid's a, what is he, five-star quarterback from high school. He's, he's a good quarterback. Yeah. But it is interesting to say, like, oh, this is that important of us, and we're worried about this win that much. That I mean, they were tied 17 at the half, that you bring in Jackson Arnold and you're like, listen, uh, we'll burn the red shirt because we want to get the win. Um, 
I mean, he, he does okay. Five for nine for 33 yards. Um, they don't move the ball a ton, helped out by the defense. So that's what happens in the end. But yeah, interesting little tidbit. Um, the only other game from this uh, conference slate that I caught any of was was Texas Iowa State. Um, Texas has had a I don't want to say a little bit of trouble. I feel like they've had to settle for field goals more often than they've wanted to. They haven't been as dominant as they've hoped to. That said, they've been winning and. and when they even even some of these close ones that they do have, like against Kansas State, you go, yeah, there was some some kind of freaky plays where you it, it led to it being closer than you expected it to be. Um, I think it's Texas is a team with a little bit more of a, another gear that we haven't seen since Alabama. Um, they got that win against Alabama, and since then we haven't seen them quite perform at the very very top. I think Sark's doing a really good job with them. It's just you know kind of getting the right thing to click at the right moment. Um, but they are in, in pole position, ready to, uh, if they get the win next week, be in that Big 12 title game. And, you know, you just hope a team or two gets knocked down and you can jump into that playoff. Uh, Corey, do you want to, uh, I guess, paint a little bit of the picture for what the Big 12 title, uh, what what it takes to get into that championship game? You'd have to go into every uh, oh, variation, yeah. but it's a... Uh, it's interesting. Um, I'll, I'll do the long, long story short kind of thing. If Texas wins, they're in. If Oklahoma State wins, I think they're pretty much in. Now, then after that, it's like if Texas loses, then you have this weird kind of scenario of two of the three teams win. Then Texas could potentially be out, and you go into four. Uh, the two of the three teams that have two losses, um, you have a weird, uh, what do you call it? Weird uh, tiebreaker that you have to go into. Um, let's see if Texas wins and Oklahoma State gets, uh, beats BYU, they're already in. If Oklahoma beats TCU and Oklahoma State losses, OU's in. Um, everybody's got a, a chance. Kansas State is on the outside looking in the most. Um, and basically, you know, Oklahoma State and Texas control their destiny. If they win, they're in. Um, thanks to the Big 12 qualifying or clarifying their tiebreaker rules. Oklahoma State already holds the quote-unquote tiebreaker, even though they probably didn't hold it beforehand, which I honestly, I don't know if you've read into that at all. Essentially, yeah. like, they kind of changed the rules mid-year. They made their rules right, but you still change the rules. Um, and basically, it's like, if the team has a tiebreaker against the other teams, because they played Kansas State and because they played OU and they already beat both of those teams, they essentially hold the tiebreaker over those teams. So that's where we stand. Those two teams win, that's the championship. If they lose... We start getting a little bit of chaos, so it'll be fun. Speaking yeah, of uh, potential teams losing, Oklahoma State, you know, decides not to show up for the first little bit. I think they're down twenty-three to like nine at one point in time in this game, and then all of a sudden it's like click, and they roll off like you know four hundred plus yards and forty-three points, or you know whatever forty-three minus nine is, and they end up winning that game pretty handily. But I mean, this is the same team that kind of struggled in UCF, so. At least they're at home, but they lost the UA or Southern Alabama at home. Maybe BYU beats them. Who knows? Yeah, kind of struggled at UCF is one of the biggest understatements I've heard in my life. But yeah, um, they, they we saw one around, team and it's, okay. it it just looked like a different <laughs> team. You know, they came out and it was just oh UCF is kicking. It was a family show kicking them up and down the field. Um, yeah, yeah uh, could be exciting. Um, but the tension is there all the way to the final week of the season in the Big 12. We love to see it. 
Um, and, and I'm hoping personally for chaos. I think that's that's always the way to go. Uh, moving to a race. You want to play them too, huh? I wouldn't mind one. I wouldn't mind seeing Texas lose, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma get wins. And then you have another bedlam after Oklahoma State's made a big deal of they've walked away from this, we won the last bedlam, uh, and then the Sooners get another shot. I, I think that'd be fun. I think that one would be fun. I think if you got another Red River, that'd be fun. Because I think most of us pick, would pick Texas, and it'd be crazy if Oklahoma won again. Like, just kind of like whatever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. I would love it. That would be <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to keep things rolling along. We're going to go to the Big Ten. Um, this one is a lot more cut and dry for who's going to be in the title game. Uh, Iowa gets a 15-13 to win over Illinois this week. That's a very Iowa score. They're 9-2 and at this point in the season. Like, who would have thought with, with the offense uh, improving not at all? Um, and <laughs> just, I, I don't know. It, it's very funny because it's very similar to last year's Iowa team, except they actually have a better record at this point. Um, and they've locked up the Big Ten West. Uh, they will be in the title game, and they'll await their foe, which will be Ohio State or Michigan. Ohio State takes care of business. They win handily 37-3. to three. Yes, uh, against Minnesota. Maryland gives Michigan a run for their money for much of that game. Uh, ends up being a 31-24 win. Uh, am I getting that score right? Sorry, I'm second-guessing myself on everything. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, but at right. Maryland, J.J. McCarthy has his worst game of the season. Um, you know, there, there wasn't – it was just an odd game overall because it didn't seem like the Michigan that you've watched all year. That That's what it was. It was, okay, we watched you against Penn State a moment ago, and you were super dominant, and you didn't even have to, like, pretend to try and throw the ball as a threat. And now – you're, you know, an absolute dogfight with Mike Loxley and, and some poor decisions by Talia Tonga-Vailoa are what bail you out uh, in this game, in my opinion. Um, I, I will say I, I've i never thought about this so much. Like, the, the safety call, did you see the, the intentional grounding safety? I did not. Okay, so Talia Tonga-Vailoa throws it out. He's, he's standing in the pocket, right? He's not even rolling out. Standing in the pocket. He's getting blitzed. He's about to get sacked in the end zone. So he throws it like 15 to 20 yards short of where a wide receiver is. Because if he threw it all the way out there, it would have been interception for sure. So he's just like, oh, I'll throw it. It's in that direction. I, like The ball is still sailing at a good like 15 yards from where he is standing. <laughs> but they, they give him an intentional grounding. And it's part of me that goes like, okay, yeah, very obviously he wasn't trying to throw that to anyone. So yes, it's the right call. And the other part of me goes, well, if that's the case, is it still intentional grounding if it throws it 20 yards out of the, you know, out of the, into the, I guess, yeah. into the sideline? Like, I feel like there's one way it's acceptable and one way it's unacceptable. And I never questioned it until that play. Um, in, the, in my head, I think, oh, probably they should both be, I guess. I don't know. Um, anyhow, that that is a, a kind of crucial moment in the game uh, that ends up being something that, that Maryland never bounces back from. But, uh yeah, Michigan, for for all that happened in the game, they come out with a win. They're where they want to be. Maybe they looked ahead a little bit uh, for Ohio State. I, I could excuse them if they did. Uh, and they are set up for that final showdown. <coughs> Sorry, I've got a scratchy throat. It's killing me right now. Um, any thoughts on the Big Ten and, and the race that has wound up there? Um, I think this Ohio State-Michigan game is what we've kind of all expected expected to happen and decide this at the East. Um, I'm excited to see how it goes. 
I do feel like my opinion of who might have won is kind of getting a little bit more leery than it would have been the last two weeks. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, the other thing I was going to say was Iowa. They have averaged 17 points a game this year. Their opponents have averaged 13 points a game. That's just sliding by, by the skin of your teeth in every single game, and you're still doing whatever you need to do to win. Like, if they pull out the Big Ten championship, that will be a great thing. They are not favored against Nebraska this week, though, which is crazy because Nebraska is a 5-16. and 16. Yeah, I think they're two-point dogs at Nebraska. Um, but, I mean, they, they continue to play these games that have, you know, high-scoring baseball scores, and, and they're getting the wins. So uh, I, I'm i loving Nebraska – or not Nebraska, Iowa football this year. Um, it's given me everything from last year, all the nostalgia. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of talk in the offseason. Not a lot of talk, some talk. Kate McNamara in particular was talking about how, you know, I hope yeah. people keep talking. And nothing was different when we got here. Um, but yeah, this, this conference is a lot more, there, there looked like for a moment, there could be some wild scenarios in the, in the big 10 West, as far as who, who could come out of there. There was some potential for like a seven way tie at one point. Uh, I was asserted themselves as the top dog. Um, if they can get that win against, uh, Nebraska next week, they could be 10 and two this season. Uh, I can't imagine a 10 and two team that would power rate lower. I should say in the power five that would power rate lower than Iowa. It's crazy, but hey, it's it's you know you you play the games that you have in front of you, and you get the win at the end of the day. I kind of don't care how you did it. Like it's a very impressive yeah. season, despite your limitations. And uh, well, all credit to the Hawkeyes. Honest, and... their defense is insane. Like we everybody talks about Michigan's defense and the fact that they played nobody. Michigan's allowed eighty three points this year. I was only allowed ninety nine. So like they're pretty close to on par. And then, like, if you go to, like, the next best team in the Big Five, it's, like, or, or in the Power Five, I think we're looking at, like, 135 points by Georgia, maybe. Uh, that's the next one. I'm just looking off the top of my head. Um, so, I mean, like, you're talking substantially better than everybody else. Oh, no, Ohio State. Ohio State is only allowed 71 points. Oh, oh, in conference. So, I'm looking at that. Sorry. So, they've allowed 136 points uh, overall. Uh, which puts them like right there with Ohio State and Michigan, who's allowed 99 points this year. So, yeah, it's been very impressive on that side of the ball. Um, the one thing I'll touch on before we leave the Big Ten: Northwestern has announced that David Braun will be the head coach going forward, the interim coach this year. They've had a much better than expected season. Uh, all credit yeah. there and, and kudos uh, where it's deserved. He's earned himself the job yeah, there. Yeah, um, last week because of the win. Yeah. So. Um, and actually, we'll circle back around. I, I missed the firing at the ACC level, but we'll come back around to maybe some coach talk at the end uh, after we swung through each of the conferences. My bad on that one. Uh, anything left on the Big Ten before I move on? Nope. All right, in the Pac-12, the action keeps moving. This is the conference that has had a lot of exciting games in the last several weeks. Um, and we had one this last uh, Saturday with Oregon State taking Washington to the brink. Washington gets out to a good lead. Uh, and is ultimately able to ride it out and hang on. Uh, but not the best Michael Penix performance we've ever seen. Some good DJ DJU, some bad DJU all in the same game. Uh, I don't know if you got eyes on that one at all, Corey. Um, yeah, I feel any, like the safety's kind of that... I feel like the safety's what kind of dead them in a little bit. But also Washington lean on, leaning a little bit more on the run these last two or three weeks. I mean, they ran for like 
300 yards last week, and they run for another 110 yards this week, um, leaning on their runs in, in a dirty game, in a game that was wet, in a game that's kind of a little bit of a struggle potentially to hold the ball. They find ways to win, and they keep finding ways to win. And I think if we're going to give Iowa credit, we got to give Michigan or Michigan, Washington credit for, for what they do. Um, I think I still favor Oregon against them if that if they end up in there. But they're they're showing multiple, multiple ways to win. So that's what's exciting about them. Yeah, Washington I think it's five one loss or one I'm sorry, one score wins on the season. Um, which is a lot, but you gotta get the result and they've done it each time and, and it's to their credit, you know. I, I don't think they're fluky to end up in the place that they have at this point in the season. They, they've played good football and they've made plays when they needed to. Um, you also have Arizona who gets the win over Utah in emphatic fashion in the Pac-12 this week. Arizona is the, the, the team on the outside looking in as far as this uh, title race goes. So Washington has punched their ticket. They are into the Pac-12 championship game. Oregon wins or does it with a win against Oregon State next week. If they lose to Oregon State and Arizona is able to be Arizona State, Arizona is in. I get, any thoughts on this season for Arizona? Like we can talk about their their game against Utah, or we can just talk about what they've done with the year. But eight and three at this point. So I, I actually said that Utah would be able to control them and help and hold Noah Fafita, you know, to a relatively hard day. He only had two touchdowns. Like I, I kind of said that nobody's thrown more than two touchdowns against him. He did throw a few 253 yards, but then they had 118 yards on the ground as well. So, like, they had a balanced attack. Jed Fisher this year has done a great job with this team, and Noah Fafita is the find for this team. He's the he's the oil that makes this thing hum. It, they have a lot of good pieces. They just didn't have a, a, as great a quarterback as they needed to, and they're very lucky that the starting quarterback went down and got hurt and that they ended up with Noah Fafita for the rest of the year. Um, they've won, I think they're on a five-game winning streak, soon to be six, no offense to Arizona State. Um, and could they pull get into the big into the Pac-12 championship? And if they do, this isn't the same Arizona team that's they played. I mean, this is the Arizona team. I think didn't they play Washington to like a fifteen to nine game at one point in time this year? I can't remember off the top of my head. But it was I'll a check bad on game, that. What are you talking though? Um, yeah, it's been yeah, it was thirty-one twenty-four. So it was a close game oh, uh, previously yeah. in the desert. But it's so yeah, thirty-one twenty-four. Like you got a chance to be pretty good. You could beat this team. Like you could make everything crazy in the last year of the Pac-12. Like that'd be awesome. Yeah, I I would love it. Um, and and the job that Jeb Fish is doing there, the job that that offense is doing. Um, I mean, if you're in the Big Twelve right now, you've got to be like, oh no, like I, I, <laughs> they're they're bringing back enough talent to cause some real problems when they get here. Um. And yeah, I'd love to see them have a crack at the at the Pac-12 title game because they're they're playing their best football late into the season, and and that's what generally good teams and good coaches do is they they build throughout the season, they they work out some of their problems, and, and like you said, like they also benefited from an injury this year, and that's you know not to to diss anyone, but Fafita is a really really good football player, and I don't think they quite knew the caliber of of good football player that he was, but he has shown it out uh, against each and every opponent this year. Um, again, they they need some help to get into that Pac-12 title game. Oregon need to drop the game to Oregon State, uh, who I think they're two score favorites over uh, in the last week of the season. So we need some some help. Um, staying in the Pac-12 for just a moment longer, 
UCLA USC. Uh, you can nod or shake your head if you got any of this. This is a pretty dominant performance. Um, Caleb Williams, you know, it's just been him and, and then not a whole lot else for USC this season. I think there's starting to come like a, a real wave of criticism of Lincoln Riley of, hey, you've had, you know, this is your second year here. You should have the roster more reformed to what it should be and what you want to be. You've had a year to potentially have gotten your DC out, which at this point he is, but uh, you're not looking good. Like this, this is not the season that we were hoping. This is probably worse than I would have said was your your floor for the for the year. Um, and it shifted because there was some talk of Chip Kelly hot seat going into this game, and now it's Chip Kelly's fine. Lincoln Riley hot seat. Uh, any thoughts on this UCLA USC game uh, or any of the situation going around in in that LA area? No, I do, I do think it's funny the conundrum that kind of happened with Chip Kelly. Like I, I don't know how safe his seat is, but it's. You can find it hard to fire him when you when you beat USC because that's a big rivalry there uh, for anybody that's a part of that rivalry. Um, and the fact that you win pretty convincingly, your defense pretty much handles business. And you have pieces there. Like, you have good quarter, a good freshman quarterback that, you know, he struggled this year. He got kind of thrown in the fire a little bit, but you can give him, you know, all spring and get to where you need to go. You have, And then you have this defense that's been – been pretty good can you keep that going next year like you might have the pieces to go in the right direction when you join the big 10 and maybe not be just a middling you might be like above average and see how you go um i don't know it's just funny to me i think the the fire under lincoln riley is warranted 100 percent. you have the best quarterback and arguably the two best receivers in the, the last two years playing for you um in in jordan addison and then uh maybe not maybe two best receivers. You got Malachi Branch or the, the freshman. That's who really, really good. Yeah. Um, Zachariah Branch. <laughs> Zachariah Branch. Thank you. Oh, and Malachi. That's not right. Um, Zachariah Branch. Like, but at the same time, like you should have pulled the plug on your defensive coordinator last year. And that's your fault. That's you got to pull the plug on people that are not functioning or light a fire in their butt earlier because you, there were signs of this early in the year when Colorado put on or put up points against you. Um, I'm trying to like, I'm pulling up USC schedule real quick. Yeah, everyone was able to, to yeah. score on this defense I mean, like, from the kickoff. It was shootouts. I think we were, Steven kept betting the over when the over and under was like 80 points on these things. Um, yeah, you could blind like, bet okay, it. Yeah, it was not yeah, a problem. San Jose State puts 28 on you. Arizona State puts 28 on you. And then Colorado put 41. And after that, people started putting 41, like Colorado, Arizona, Notre Dame put 48, Utah put 34, California put, you know, 49. I mean, they haven't had a person put under tw- put under twenty five points on them since Stanford. Like that's an issue. That's a major issue. And the fact that you can't do that, like that, no offense, Lincoln Riley, you're a great offensive mind, but there's a reason you've not gotten to the college playoff, or you've gotten to college playoff once maybe and and lost. I don't think you got the college playoff. Yeah. So. Uh. <laughs> Pulling it up real quick, but I think we've talked about briefly on this show the 2024 USC schedule. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if Got you have it. that in your in your mind. It's I'll just read through it real quick. Um, in Las Vegas against LSU, uh, then Utah State a bye week at Michigan, home against Wisconsin, at Minnesota, home against Penn State, at Maryland, 
back and forth every week. Home against Rutgers at Washington. Uh, another off week because you have a week zero week uh, to, to start the season. Nebraska at home at UCLA and then home against Notre Dame. Um, it's not going to get easier. And you're losing your very best player and perhaps the best player in college football. And there's nothing to me that says, oh, it's going to be better next year. Um, I think Lincoln Riley's a good coach. And so you have to think, yeah, he's going to transfer portal hunt. They're going to coach things up a little bit better. We're not going to see the offense look as loosey-goosey as at times it has this year. But, you know, that's that's faith in a person, not in anything that I'm seeing. And if if things don't turn around, USC does not do long tenures for their coaches. Like, if you're not getting results, they'll get you out of there. Um, and I, I think, especially with the expectation that they have after the good year one that they had under Lincoln Riley, um, I don't think that's doing them any favors at this stage. Uh, so, very interesting to see what happens at our, our dad's, I should say, alma mater. Does it count as your alma mater if you didn't graduate? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> don't go like that. He's busy, busy coaching the debate team, so that's why. That's right. That's right. Um, and he was doing a doctorate, so let's be fair. I mean, sure, sure, but you know, I've never, I've never quit a doctorate, so <laughs> you, never, you never started a doctorate either. I never did. <laughs> never been accepted into a doctorate program. Um, uh, that's all my thoughts for for the Pac-12 games. Uh, briefly going through. Any, anything else you want to touch on for the that conference? Oregon. Minus the Texas Tech game this this year has just handled business when they need to handle business, and so I'm ex- interested to see like this is the closest team to a Georgia or a Michigan outside of those two teams that just like seem to handle business and don't flirt with little disaster. Like Georgia flirted a little bit in the first and second quarter, but never ended up close in any of those games. Um, Oregon's the one, next one that I would say like oh they handle their crap, and so I'm like interested to see again how they handle Washington a second time potentially. Yeah, I'm wondering if that game doesn't get out of hand. Like, I, I think Oregon might be that much better than Washington. I don't know. Be we'll, careful we'll how see. you I, say that the, around. What's that? I said, I feel, you said, be careful who you say that around. I feel like Washington's got a ton of bandwagon fans lately. I mean, as well they should. They're earning their bandwagon fans. You get wins, you get bandwagon fans. That's how it goes. Um, but, you yes, know, early yes, season Washington... Sure. Yeah, yeah. Early season Washington look like world beaters, and late season Washington looks like they're just hanging on. Um, and hanging on's good enough as long as you're winning, but it's tough when, when you got Oregon coming around. So, you know, they'll, they'll yeah. be hoping Oregon State does them a favor and they don't have to play Oregon again. I think that's unlikely, and it, it, I think it could get ugly. Uh, going to the last of the Power Five conferences, the SEC, Georgia has a dominant win against Tennessee after uh, – you know, they get a, a quick punch to the mouth, and Tennessee has a 75-yard touchdown run to start and then doesn't do anything else the rest of the game. Um, Carson Beck's looking really good. Brock Bowers is back. Um, it's bad news for the rest of the country. Uh, Missouri, number nine in the country, gets a win over UF. This is a close game throughout. Um, a, a well-fought battle between the two in Missouri. Uh, Florida kicks a field goal with, a minute, I think, a minute 41 left in the game to go up. Uh, by two or by one, sorry, by one, and then Missouri able to drive the field. Um, gets a fourth and 17 conversion that they needed on that drive um, and is able to get into field goal position and knocks through uh, the winner to win 33-31. Um, sorry, I'm breezing through a couple of them, but thoughts on that UF-Missouri game uh, as this UF team 
plays in pretty strongly for a playoff contender this next week. Yeah, so can I actually step back to the UGA Tennessee game Please. too, and then jump into that? Please do. So the UGA Tennessee game, Carson Beck is he? I honestly like he's a real deal. Him and Brady Cook are probably my two favorite quarterbacks this year. I like the ones I trust to win games. Cook has thrown two interceptions in two big critical games, so that's. But he's also you know driven the field and to get set them up for game winners. He looks very uh, Josh Allen esque without the interceptions. To me, a big arm and, and very powerful and kind of like able to, be, able to be successful. So it's kind of fun to watch him. But Carson Beck makes those NFL throws. Like I might take this kid just because I don't have enough tape. I, I, if I'm an NFL man, manager, I might be like Carson Beck's first on my list. I don't. I'm not. I'm not high on uh, on uh, Caleb Williams as much as, as everybody else is. Um, but I'm like that's a kid that I'm like be like you know what if I can get him in the first late first, early second round, I'm taking that kid and bench, benching him or making him my starter, and he can be one of the better players, I think, next year. Um, the UF-Missouri game, UF wanted this game. They played passionately. They played hard. They played really, really well, and Missouri was just able to to make that make it count when it needed to. Um, I mean, that fourth and 17 pass over the middle, she kind of like – the player kind of runs like a, you know, three-quarter speed and sits down in the middle, and he's not really challenged, but still – you you get you convert the fourth and seventeen, and then not only do you convert the fourth and seventeen, the wherewithal of and like kind of like the composure he has to like drive them down even closer and keep the clock in mind and handle the passes to the outside to make it an easy field goal, set them up for the win and that like that is totally deserved. Missouri, you guys should be enjoying this year. It's a fun year for you guys, and it's a shame that we drop that you guys dropped one to LSU. And and that you couldn't beat UGA because you gave UGA money, you run for his money, and you had a good game against LSU, and just two, just interceptions late in those games kind of hurt you. So, yeah, but, no, a heck of a year for Missouri, and I mean, watch out for the future because th- things are are looking good. What they're doing on the recruiting recruiting trail, bringing in a big time defensive end this year, a couple five stars here staying home in, in the state of Missouri. Um, <laughs> One thing that hurt UF big in this game is uh, a little bit of poor management at the very end on their right before the field goal attempt. Um, Missouri is down to one timeout, uh, so they're going to have to drive down the field with mostly um, using sidelines and not being able to do anything in the middle of the field. And Florida uh, runs out of bounds on the third down right before kicking the field goal. Uh, and you're within, it's a minute 41, so you're within those two minutes. So you either force Missouri to take the timeout or you get to drain 40 seconds off the clock. Yeah, I don't know. So that, the, that could have changed the outcome. Go ahead. It could have, but it ended up not changing it because Missouri doesn't even end up using their timeout. They just drive the ball so well down the field. Oh, is that right? I thought they had used it. I could be wrong about that. I don't remember them using it, but like, it, it is a critical play error, though, that you should, you should force your opponent to use that so that you aren't able to hit a fourth and 17 over the middle and go and clock the ball, no problem. Like... Yeah, like that—that—that's those things. Did they? Yeah, I think it's, I think I don't think they used it. I'm, I'm gonna check that. Uh, yeah, anyways, check that for me. I, I can I can go on. Um, Alabama gets a so so keeping it in the SEC. Uh, Alabama gets a big win over Chattanooga, as you'd expect them to. They're rolling all the way to the title game. They do have to run into Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Auburn, who crushed? Uh, oh, who'd they play last week? I, I'm forgetting who it was. Arkansas. Crushing win over Arkansas. Uh, like a 40-point win. 
and then gets absolutely slapped around by New Mexico State at home. Uh, an embarrassing loss where they paid the opponent to come to play against them. $1.85 million to come play and then just got destroyed. I hope, Auburn, you were saving all of your prep for the Alabama game because, gosh, that was a tough one. You're going to need something to redeem uh, and to come back from that. That That is a type of loss that is hard to take uh, as a program as a whole. Um, we can revisit that in just a second. Um, Ole Miss continues to win. They're, they're still in the, you know, kind of the spot where they've always been. We're just not going to compete for the SEC title game, but going to finish with a really good record going into the Egg Bowl with just two losses. And then Jaden Daniels continues to look like a, a Heisman front runner in this conference. Uh, I think a big win next week or a big performance next week could, you know, propel him to being up at that podium in New York. Uh, Corey, going back to, uh, I guess, whatever you search, but also New Mexico State Auburn, um, thoughts on, on either of those two? Yeah, I know that they do use a timeout. Missouri does use a timeout, but I thought for some reason that they had two timeouts left, and then then they had, but maybe I'm wrong. So they do end up using a timeout in the last drive. So, um, my thoughts on the on the Auburn game? Yes, please. Is that what you said? Yes. <laughs> I don't really have thoughts. Like, I mean, I, I would hate to just pay, you know, two thirds of or you know like a, a fourth of what I pay my co- co- head coach for a team to come in and, and beat the crap out of me. Does this matter in the, in the grand spectrum of things? Absolutely not. Auburn's going to have a great class coming in. Um, they, they're, I mean, they're going to flip a five-star from uh, Texas A&M and Cam Coleman. Um, yeah. They already have a five-star receiver that they flipped from Texas already. Cam Coleman would be the second one. And I wouldn't be surprised if they don't flip a few more people. Like this is going to be a great class. Hugh Freeze is going to put together a good team. And once you, if you, as long as you don't have a terrible year next year, no one's going to remember this. It's kind of like Florida State, you know, losing to uh, Jacksonville State. Like it, it's stunk in the moment, but like we had a ten wins in the season the next year. No one cared about that. You know, people mock us and be like, yeah, well, we haven't. We went zero four and we lost three games since then. Like it's not that big a deal or four games since then. Um, and that might be the case with Auburn, but it stings now. And it kind of sets up kind of what a crazy atmosphere for Alabama to go in there because what Auburn are you going to get? I mean, are you going to get the Auburn that kind of didn't figure things out against New Mexico State? Or are you going to get the Auburn that Auburn that played significantly well in, in a couple of games that were, I mean, they played Georgia really They played good, Georgia right? real close, yeah. So we'll yeah, see how that uh, goes. Yeah. It, it'll, uh... Auburn is a little bit of an enigma just for this year, though. Like, I think when you look at your, your crystal ball and you go, okay, their their trajectory looks pretty decent. Um, and Hugh Freeze has always been a, a very, very good recruiter and a good coach. Um, the one other storyline coming out of the SEC would be that Arkansas has gone out, got ahead of the news lines and said, we're keeping Sam Pittman. So uh, when we talk about coaching changes and whatnot, that's one that was very much uh, in question. We know they've had they fired their OC earlier in the year, um, so if things didn't take an uptick from there, like certainly the head coach would be one who's ultimately responsible for what's going on. But they said they're keeping him for the year, uh, and we'll see how that pays off for them. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts or you know um, should they yeah, should they have not good, have. I think it's a good call. I mean, you had a good season. You had a bad offensive coordinator. Sam Pittman in the middle of the year makes the right call and, and fires the OC, even though it's he's only been there for eight games or something like that. 
Like that's the right call. And you want a head coach that runs your team is amicable. The boosters like him. And so like, why not give him another chance to make the right hire? I mean, how many coaches make the wrong hire? How, and also how many coaches have their balls to fire them in the first year? Not a ton of, not as many as we, we'd like. So, yeah. And I think like, so <laughs> you, you got to look at, you know, the, the conference that you're in and the people that you're playing and what is my actual expectation for this, for this coach long-term? I, I know this year has not been to the liking of Arkansas fans and, and personally I would have expected a little bit better, but um, it's good to see when you're a little bit smaller, when you're not the LSUs and the Alabamas and the, uh, you know, the upper echelon, you know, historically the Floridas uh, or the Georgias of the SEC, you should probably practice just a little bit of patience um, unless you wanted to have a revolving door uh, for your head coach. Give him time. Let stuff be established. And also, and now with this you... early signing period, we see that, like, it, with this early signing period, if you fire coaches quickly, it gives you multiple poor classes and you're not in a good shape to go be successful, then you end up having to wait anyway. Yeah, so. you have no option but to give that next coach time. Otherwise, you throw yourself right back in the cycle, which teams have finally gotten a little bit wise to and thought, okay, we'll hang on just a little bit longer and, and figure out if this is really something or not. Um, but but it, like in the recruiting battle, like if a player is just beneath that top where he can go to a top team, like he's going to want to go to somewhere where it's stable, where he knows, oh, this is going to be my coach for a long time. Um, I think that's a big thing to be able to sell and something that they'll be able to provide if, if Pittman can work out uh, in the years coming. Um, that said, the reason you have to say it is because He's on the hot seat from the outside looking in. Um, so he will have some work to do in, in throwing that off. Uh, any last thoughts on the SEC before we keep things rolling? Yeah, no, that uh, title game is already set. Alabama versus Georgia. They have games to play, but nonetheless, they will meet each other in uh, in the title game at the end of the season. For the group of five, looking at some of the, the matchups there, Tulane continues to be just extremely solid. They beat FAU 24-8. to uh, I think that's now 10-1 on the year. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's only one loss. That's and right. it's two Ole two miss. miss without Pratt. Um, so yeah. you, you have a heck of a season there. UNLV continues to be one of the most surprising teams of the year. They get a win over Air Force, um, who's started off undefeated for a long time, have dropped, I think, their third game at this stage. Coastal Carolina gets a win against Army. Um, Coastal Carolina well, having a good wins. year. Army wins? Oh, I have that wrong. I did not watch that game. I'm just reading the, the show sheet here. Um, I missed yeah, so that entirely. Army wins 28-21. They started the year off 2-6, and six, have won their last three games, smacking Air Force. Granted, Air Force uh, has a lot of turnovers. Beating Holy Cross which in a tight game, which is, you shouldn't even imagine that would be that. And then Coastal Carolina 28-21. So they have a chance to be bowl eligible if they win this game against Navy and the Commander's Cup if they win the game against Navy. Like, I think that's a lot more than we expected them, especially since they started off 2-6. and six. Although they surprisingly had a good win against UTSA early, early on in the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, doing a little bit of a reverse Washington State here with, with the the poor start and the strong finish. Um, yeah, that yeah. would be a heck of a thing to, to win the – get get that win against Navy and, and head to a bowl after the way the year started. I mean – yeah, good on Washington. Uh, Coastal Carolina still had a heck of a year, but uh, not a game they would have liked to have dropped um, by any means. Yeah. New Mexico gets the win over Fresno State. Uh, Fresno State was, had been one of the front runners in the Mountain West. I think now it's uh, kind of down to Boise State. Um, 
Oh, I'm forgetting a few. Boise State, UNLV. Air Force, and UNLV. Thank you. Um, and then James Madison, the darling of all of America, because they can't make it to a bowl game this year, drops their first game. They had game day come. They play Appalachian State. They've dropped their first game in overtime, 26 to 23. Uh, I didn't get eyes on this one. I was bummed because they're on my win totals team. Or, but you know, all good things must come to an end, and, and a heck of a year that they've had, and you know, kind of a, a good two-year stint that they've had in the FBS level to announce their um, their presence and what their intentions are. Uh, any thoughts on any of those games, Corey? Looking over the the top of the group of five. Um, I kind of give my thoughts on Army. Uh, the only other game I would talk about is James Madison. I mean, you're ten and one. You're the cream of the crop in the Sun Belt Conference. You did drop a game to Appalachian State in overtime. You were able to force overtime, even though you were down seven uh, late. Um, yeah, it makes me sad that they're not going to be able to be in the in the conference championship or in in the a bowl game. I have heard that there's litigation being filed against the NCAA to see if they can. So I wonder where that goes. I hope it works because. In reality, this team is deserving of it. I mean, Jacksonville State's deserving of it. Like, I don't know if they are allowed to do as well because those two teams no, I think come up and lost two years. So, yeah. Uh, that'll take us through the week recap. The the one piece of news that I missed at the top of the show is Dino Babers is out from Syracuse. Um, I think it's eight year stint at Syracuse there. Uh, so another coach off. I, I guess on the market, another job on the market as well. They'll be looking for a replacement there. Uh, 41 and 55 in eight seasons. Had a tough year this year, no doubt. Corey, what are your thoughts on, on this firing? Um, the only justification I have here on this firing is if your boosters are starting to get like antsy and they don't really believe that there's a chance to get better or that they'll have good seasons, and they're, you kind of need to re-inspire hope with the boosters. That's why you're doing this because 41 and 55 at Syracuse. I mean, you're going against you're going against Louisville. You're going against Florida State. You're going against Clemson. You're going against Wake Forest. Like no, not Wake Forest. Sorry, uh, Louisville, Clemson, uh, Boston College. Like that, that, these are that's a hard schedule to go against every year. You're if you do the conference right, your non-conference schedule right, and you play in the conference, like making a bowl game six and six is should be about your goal, about where you end up. And that's kind of like where they did. If you take that 41 and divide it by eight, you're like, what, five and six or something like that? Um, or five and seven. So it's like some days you were made it, some days you didn't. And I don't know. I, I get maybe that's the only reason, but I don't expect you to go better, do better than this with a new coach. It's going to be the same old, same old. That's the part that I get is I, I just think like, I don't think, I don't think Dino was crushing it. I don't think he was doing bad by any means. And he's been pretty vocal about, hey, we lost. He was asked, you know, kind of where is your depth at? And he's like, it all transferred away. Like, that's we're, we're that's as nice a way you can put we're not competitive in the NIL space to keep our talent. Uh, that's good. You know, like our, our, yeah. our good players are going to go play somewhere else unless we're serious about this. So to me, if you don't fix that, change the coach doesn't change anything. No, it might actually lead to worse bluffing. Yeah. Um, the one uh, coach who, who – I, I the name instantly gets thrown out because he's coached not only 
at uh, Syracuse before, but with Babers. Uh, so he came over with Babers initially uh, is Sean Lewis, who was an OC for a year there um, before. I think he went straight to Kent State right after that. I could be wrong about that. There might have been a stop in between. Um, a good coach and somebody who's well-respected, who's run a program, but at the same time, like, is that just hiring more of what you just had? Like, if it's under, you know, they were under the same. Uh, if I'm you know, Sean Lewis, I'm over... going. I think I can get a better job. It depends on the pay. I, I mean, you can pay me enough. I, I could go somewhere and lose and say, yeah, like everybody knows, like it's the same way you and I are talking, like it's not Dino's fault. So like, I, I don't think he's going to be like a hot commodity to be picked up, but it's like, it's possible he ends up in a head coaching job again. It, it wouldn't shock me. Um, no, I, I agree. My thought process is Sean Lewis should get a job where he can win at because if he has the resources, he can win. He's that's true. At the level, so I'm not going. That's why I wouldn't go to Syracuse. It's like you and I, yeah, we go because we wouldn't win. But Sean Lewis, can <laughs> that's win. that's that's true. He's, he's his ceiling is the better coach out of all of us. <laughs> that's true. His ceiling is higher than than Syracuse. Um, so so that would be, I, I guess, yeah, that would be a good reason why not to. Um, I'm surprised there haven't been, more, I guess, much fewer firings this year than last year. Um, I think teams are starting to be more patient. They're starting to get used to a little bit more of early signing period, uh, transfer portal era. Um, every time you fire a coach, like you're at risk of losing your roster. And that wasn't the case before. So now if you're going to fire a coach, like you better be pretty sure because you might lose all of your most talented players who were loyal to him or his staff, which is also gone. Um, I, I think that is a big part of why we're not seeing quite as much movement. Um, It'll be interesting to see in this next week. You know, the regular season ends next week. We could see more coaches uh, get the boot or more schools and programs, ADs, come out and say, no, this is our coach. We're sticking with them. Uh, just to affirm and make sure that they're shoring up things before that class, of for the that portal window, before that uh, early signing begins. So, um, What I do see is potential coach hires happening in the next week or two and that opening up some spots because you want to get a – coach you know a few weeks maybe a week or two to kind of get a class together um pull pull half your old class and bring them over you know exactly yeah no and and texas a&m is the school to watch for that because that's the one that can start the the merry-go-round the 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 white elephant of coaches where oh we'll take this top prize and now it's like well let me go find the next one beneath that um because then it becomes a scramble um (laughs) yeah you know you can only switch once per round that's that's the rule um and then next year you can you can switch all the same prizes again. Uh, I, yeah, I, I love coaching carousel stuff. I love the the stuff that happens in between. So I'm excited for that. Um, I'm also intrigued to see who are the the players that jump in the portal after this next week. Um, it, it is a time where it starts to get just a little chaotic right before bowl season, and everything's up in the air. It's also the most crucial time for recruits to decide where to go. Um, it's, it's become this perfect little nightmare. Um, I, for, for coaches, it's a perfect storm for somebody like me who likes not only the on-field stuff, but also, you know, the speculating of what's going to happen next year and what's the future going to look like for a little bit. Um, it's, you know, very selfishly, it's an awesome time of the year. So, um, uh, that's coming up here. Um, but that'll take us through the week and through the news of the week. Corey, I'm going to pass it over to you. Any parting shots you'd like to, to give out well, for this Steve week? Steve texted us and said he had some parting shots for Auburn. Um, and for Florida, you know, Auburn have, paying $1.85 million or something like that to, to New Mexico to lose. And then Florida just having a, a, a rotten season. 
even though they, call, they called uh, Utah's stadium rotten. Um, that's kind of the extent of it. I'm not going to go out and read that, Steve. Sorry. If you want to present it, you can be here next time instead of playing hooky vacationing. Anyways, um, party shots for me, I, I honestly think, like, maybe I'm just going to call my, call them, like, give myself kudos. Like, I talked about Clemson coming back and swinging back in the right direction. I think they're swinging back in the right direction. I think we're going to see – we're seeing them potentially going to win win eight, nine games this year, which would be interesting. Um, the question is, does Dabo use that as justification that he still doesn't need to go to the portal? And if he does, that's where he's <laughs> – <And, laughs> Did he I do too well too really, soon? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there's – Dabo is such an interesting character because you have the things that he says and does that are just kind of rub people the wrong way, but then you also have the character like – Apparently, he was one of the first people to reach out to Jordan Travis when Jordan Travis broke his leg. Like, text, he got a text from from Dabo. So, like, you have this kind of swing of, like, character, and it's kind of fun to watch who, who he is, and he is a character and entertaining. Um, but can he make this call? He made the right call last year in saying, I need to fire my OC and, and get a new OC. Now can he make the right call to go to the portal? Fingers crossed he doesn't. I mean, who knows? I also heard... There's still rumors swirling that some of the ACC teams will uh, announce that they'll leave the ACC at the end of this year. I'll believe it when I see it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that seems like wishful thinking for, for programs that, well, one in particular that you and I like a lot, um, but also a few others <laughs> who would like to get more money on a yearly basis. Um, I, yeah, Davis Winnie is one who, I, like, he gets his team to play hard. And that that's one thing that, can be tough at the end of the year, especially at the end of a tough year. You know, like if you're a rah-rah guy, um, sometimes that can pay off when players are a week away from entering the transfer portal. Um, and, and, you know, that that might keep them in because now they see, oh, now we've beat a top 25 team. We've been playing super well. We have three close losses to, to good teams or decent teams. Cool. Um, and turnovers and luck in that game. Like, yeah. there they are two scores. I mean, three games from two score away and could have been 10 and one in reality. Really. Yeah. Um, my only parting shot is that the, uh, the associated press, the, uh, we don't have the playoff ranking poll again. This is Monday night. Uh, what is Tennessee doing ranked number 25? They have the same record as Clemson and have beat no one this year. Um, they've gotten stomped in every game that you expect them to uh, make a statement as to how good they can be or are. What are we still going off of preseason stuff this late in the season? There's one game yes. left to be played, and they've beat and no bias. one. Yes, because to me, bias, I, that was the first thing I looked in the AP poll. I go, okay, I think Clemson has done enough to to get close to being ranked, um, and they do have quite a few votes, but they're not ranked. I think they're they're a few spots out. It might be 28 or 29. But then I saw Tennessee, yeah. and I was, what, what are we doing here? How how can we possibly still be doing this at this stage of the season? The AP um, poll has Clemson ranked below North Carolina, who they just beat. Yeah, you um, know it's, 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 it's and they have the same record, right? They both seven and four. Um, that... I think, I think uh, North Carolina's eight and three. three. Yeah, maybe so. Okay, but still, so it's not as egregious. Still, kind of. I don't know. Yeah. But if you look anyway. at the coaches' poll. Well, they're, they're the same, actually. So, <laughs> uh, that's the only party I'll shot I more, have. Go ahead. I'll do one more party shot. We did. Why didn't we have a crying fest this week, Michigan? It was a, a much closer game, and Harbaugh is still not there for the thousand win of Michigan history. 
And then like, what caused the crying fest last week? And then also the free Harbaugh shirts that came. Okay, that came that's out. one I forgot. That's and you agreed to the suspension. <laughs> if you want a free Harbaugh, go talk to Michigan, who said, "Yeah, that's a fair suspension." You know, like <laughs> this is your own fault. Well, don't don't complain to everyone else. Go to your program and say, "Hey, don't agree to the suspension." Well, also the fact that the assistant coach buried information and and started getting rid of uh evidence once the the investigation started yeah it's like oh i guess we're, we're caught red-handed we'll, we'll suspend him for three games the ncaa is going to suspend him for longer i mean he's already in trouble for violations during covid and then on when they finish this thing they're going to do that i saw a speculation article that he'd be fine or he'd be suspended for most of 2024 harbaugh take your licking take your semifinals, you know game and then go to the nfl because it, yeah. this is just a joke do the Pete Carroll move. You know, they, they can't get me when I'm over here coaching in Seattle. That's, you know, yeah. I'll let USC deal with not having a postseason, and I'm going to keep, it keep doing my thing. Super Bowl. Yeah, it's been it's been a great career move for him, I think. And, and Harbaugh's already been successful at the pro level. Like, go on back. Like, yeah. got what it takes. So. Yeah, find Colin Kaepernick and bring him back out of retirement. He, he's letting everyone know all the time that he's still available. So, there you go. Um, that's all we got for... I'm available, just FYI. Yeah, uh, if if yeah. anybody's looking for a starting quarterback, Corey, happy to step in, take a paycheck. I'm looking, I'm available to be a ball boy. It's not even three hundred dollars. I'm a ball with it, you know. <laughs> uh, well, that's gonna do it for our our week. We've got one more week of the regular season of college football coming up. I should say one plus another one that has Army Navy, um, and then conference title games coming up. Catch us on the next show. We'll be doing a preview of this last week that we'll start to solidify what we finally uh the race that we've seen in the different conferences the race that we're seeing for the playoff uh it's coming all to a head at the end of the season so keep it with us here at cfb paint for me and Corey, see you later